Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Today's program is brought to you by Route 11 Potato Chips. Made with a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. For more information, visit rt11.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, and welcome to Ask a Clean Person, the podcast on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jolie Kerr, a cleaning expert, advice columnist, and author of the New York Times bestselling book, My Boyfriend Barfed in My Handbag, and Other Things You Can't Ask Martha. My weekly column, Ask a Clean Person, appears on deadspin.com, and my guest today is Daniel Gritzer. Hi, Daniel. Hey, how's it going? Good. I'm excited to have you here. Me too. We are going to get gross today. (laughs) Uh, Before we get gross, let me tell our listeners who you are and what you do. Uh, Daniel is the culinary director at Serious Eats, where he writes about food, cooking, and recipes with an eye to obsessive recipe testing and myth busting. And I know about the obsessive part because I read your fresh tomato sauce post from last summer, and I'm pretty obsessive. Daniel, it scared me. <laughs> Sometimes I look at it and I'm like, I don't, I don't even know if I'm going to do that much work the next time I make fresh tomato sauce. It was insane. Like, I was, I'm in a CSA this summer, a farm share for like people who don't know. And I'm actually, I'm actually blogging my way through. Every week I blog my, what I got, what I didn't use, what I made. Like, huh. it's it's keeping me honest with the CSA. And I saw, I found your thing because I was Googling. Like, I was like, okay, when the tomatoes start coming, they started coming last week. Mm-hmm. Um, only two of them, but like the onslaught is on its way. I've, this isn't my first rodeo with the CSA. So I, I guess seriously, it's must have like retweeted out the article from last summer. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to read this. And I saw it was you. And I was like, Oh my God, it's Daniel. And I, cause I was like, Oh great. I'll make, um, this summer I will master the fresh tomato sauce. And then I started reading it and I was like, no, it's not going to be my summer. I'm going to stick with steak pizza all and salad. <laughs> you know what? Part of it is we sometimes will go to those extremes just to show some of the considerations, but I think yeah. readers can take pieces of that right. and apply it. Maybe, you know, if you really want to do the whole thing, that's amazing, and, it, and hopefully it, it, it delivers on its promise. But even if you don't do the whole thing, at least it, there's insight there that you can yes. sort of you can work with. So Thank that, you for that. That's I, how I like to think of it. I, I feel a lot better now. I'm I'm not going to do it all 
but I'm yeah. going to try some of it. You're off the hook. It's okay. Uh, thank you. Uh, okay, so let me let me finish telling people more about you. You are fascinating. First of all, you are like one of the only people I've met who has had more jobs than I have. <laughs> I've had a very circuitous route to where I am today. There's, yeah, there's I have no too. I have too. Someday we should. I should have you come back and we should just talk about like how we ended up doing just, what we do. Because yeah, yeah I have a weird story too. So here are some of the other things that Daniel has done prior to joining Sirius Eats. He was an editor at Food and Wine. He was a staff writer for Time Out New York, and before all of that, he was a professional restaurant cook who also worked on farms in France, Italy, and Spain because he is living the life. <laughs> um, and he, this brings us to the, the sort of center, the heart of what we're going to talk about today. Daniel is also Department of Health certified, and he has some things to say to us about food safety and which rules you need to follow and which ones you don't, which I love. Um, and he is going to, I think, I hope, tell us a, some gross-out stories. Uh, and in order to facilitate, because I want to hear gross-out stories, I love gross things, which I, people don't expect about me because they're, I'm the clean person. But like, I, I like gross things because it gives me something to clean up. Yeah, it's inspiration, right? Yeah. You, you, you want to be driven by, by sheer revulsion to exactly. go <laughs> fix exactly. something. Which is one of the reasons I like doing what I do for Deadspin. Because I, you know, the the men... I mean, listen, the women send me gross-out stories, for sure. <laughs> but, like, the men really, like, go, they do, like, a deep dive on the gross-out story. And I love it. I love hearing about their their poop and their... I mean, uh, poop all all everywhere. Um, hopefully no so, poop in the kitchen. Hopefully <laughs> no, but we got some questions about that. So, so in advance of having you come on, mm-hmm. um, instead of doing sort of my, my usual like pulling reader questions that I've gotten um, and haven't answered in the column, I did something a little different this week. Um, I solicited on Twitter and from my Deadspin colleagues uh, questions that they had about like relative filth in restaurants Mm -hmm. because I thought that that would lead to some kind of good gross stuff from you. Um, So I'm actually going to just dive right into those if that's okay with you. Yeah, let's go for it. Okay, cool. (laughs) Actually, you know what? Before we do, I have one one quick question about like the certification. Mm -hmm. Did you get the certification because you were working in a restaurant and you had to? Exactly. Not everyone who works in a restaurant or cooks in a restaurant has to carry the certification, but the the rule is that someone on premise at any given moment Got needs it. to have that. It's like knowing CPR. Yeah, some yeah, like somebody one, needs, you need one person. You need that yeah. one person. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So that's cool. So you weren't like doing restaurant inspections. No, I was But I, I want to find out who that person is and I want to have them come on the should, podcast. I know, you should put them on with a chef and have them just battle it out because Ooh. they they do not see eye to eye a lot of the time. Oh, I love it. Maybe you should have a podcast and you should do that. <laughs> uh, all right. So let's let's go right into um, to some of the questions. So the, the, one of the first ones I got was, um, how little do I really want to think about cockroaches in kitchens? Uh, well, uh, if, they, if the thought bothers you, you want to think about it as little as possible. I'll, I'll be honest, in New York City, there's a high probability that there are cockroaches in the kitchen. Yeah. Either there have been, there currently are, there will be. It's, it's an ongoing battle to keep them at bay. Uh, I mean, it's definitely true in a city like New York. It's probably true most places. Um, yeah. I've only worked in restaurants in New York, so I can really only speak to that. But if you're in a place where cockroaches can be a problem, 
you can bet that any place that is a hub of food and cooking activity is going to be a place that they will find. I mean, they will get anywhere. They're you cockroaches. They're they cockroaches. have a reputation for you being yeah, hale and you hearty. Can't, you can't just shut them. You can't, you can't hermetically seal the kitchen and right. keep them out. They're coming in. Right. Exactly. Um, and so then it's a question of what you do about it. Right. What, what, do, what do restaurants generally do? Just like full on like the most poisonous poison you can find yeah i mean it's 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 a combination of just cleaning up every day Mm -hmm. uh and throughout the day and just you certainly don't want to make it and this is true at home too this is a big thing that i think about i don't want to make it i don't want to put out a buffet of crumbs and and because cockroaches are tiny a little crumb is like a steak, right? Like, that's just such a big meal for them. Oh, that's such a good way of... Th- I've never th- really thought about it that way. So when people have, like, little, little bits of, like, crumbs and things on their counters, that just gives me the willies, because I'm like, that that is... that is, You have just put out the cockroach spread. Like, they are going to come and feast yeah. on this. Even, that's if like it, a, even if it looks like it's inconsequential to us. Yeah. It's like um, a hot appetizer b- buffet for them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's all the good stuff. It's the pigs and blankets and yeah, the you got, sliders. Ex- yeah. exa- you got the crudite. Delicious. You got the toasts. Now, now I want pigs the and blankets. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean that's okay. that's the first thing is. And just, then same thing with vermin, right? Just absolutely, like, it's just going to happen, right? So everyone should just deal with it. First, it hasn't killed you yet. Yeah, right? I mean, I don't. You know, if you some kitchens have conditions that are so bad that it would bug me out a bit more because they're okay. they're probably not dealing with it. Okay, um, but even the cleanest places. It's they're they're gonna show up sometimes. I, so here's here's the first gross out story. Oh yay! <laughs> I was uh, I worked I worked in a, in an Italian restaurant um, in in a Gramercy area in New York City. Okay, and I worked the pasta station. And so when you're in a in a restaurant that's doing a lot of pasta, you have this thing which is like a pasta boiler. It's it's a huge. Looks like a deep fryer basically, like an industrial or commercial. I guess I should say deep fryer, except that it's filled with water. Instead, instead of, oil. of oil. And you've got these huge, huge, huge gas jets underneath that just, like, they can get that wa- so much water boiling so fast and keep it boiling. I want that at home. Yeah, absolutely. It's the most amazing thing. The problem is, it's also, like, the most lovely place for roaches to go hang out underneath, like, in the sort of inner workings where the, where the gas jets are. Oh. Because it's incredibly humid because of all the water that's, that's right, all boiling the steam that's in coming that vicinity. Off of- and it's hot. And this is like roaches love this. Love it. And so it was constant, constant that I would come into this restaurant, which was a clean, clean restaurant. And we actually totally aced all our Department of Health inspections. Never had any big issues. But it was just a fact. Like I would open this thing up to turn it on in the morning and the roaches would just like. They would just go skittering. Oh, by the hundreds of. You, oh, we'd have no. the, Yeah, we'd have the. We'd have the uh, I can see. You can't see it, but I can see our engineer, Liz, is like just <laughs> got her, her face in her hands right now. <laughs> You're the, killing yeah, us. The exterminator would come every week. And yeah. and do his thing, and and then they would go away for a while. Although, of course, you know when the exterminator comes, then you come in the next day, and they're all dead. Right. Then you have the corpses. Then you have the corpses, and sometimes they're in. They would die <laughs> in the <laughs> in the boiler. And I have to say, the customers who ate there when I was working there were lucky because this repulsed me so so like this was not okay with me. And I would clean every day this boiler 
So you like so, took it upon yourself to go the extra mile because it bothered you. Yeah, it had to be clean enough that it no longer bothered me to eat any food that was coming out of this thing. Okay, every day. All right, but well, you don't always have the guarantee that everyone right. Cares. Everyone should just only go to restaurants where Daniel works is the answer. Yeah, now. you need someone yeah. who's incredibly anal. Yeah. Okay. So actually, this this is um, this leads into another uh, another good one. We're going to get to all of these, I think. I hope. Um, which which was someone asked what what red flags slash warning signs should I look out for as a customer? Are there patterns that usually mean trouble? Um, and then then this is this is kind of a similar one. Um, someone else asked, if, is it true that if a restaurant can't keep its bathroom clean, that its kitchen probably is also gross? And then, and then added, I think we've already answered this question. Mm. She then added, do I actually want to know about how clean restaurants are? Is ignorance bliss? I think, yes, ignorance is ignorance bliss. Ignorance is a little bit yeah. bliss. I mean, you're, you're, you're letting someone else prepare your food and to some degree, like, you have to kind of just suspend your, your issues. Right. But, you know, that said, I th- there are things. I mean, I'll go, I will eat, I will go into restaurants and walk past the kitchen and try to steal a peek. And, uh, Oftentimes, I'll see things where I, where I just think, oh, man, that is that is not a clean kitchen. Um, and then I'll still eat there. <laughs> even, okay. Yeah. Even though you know I, it's not going to kill you. It's what are, what are some of the me. things that you notice? Like, is the, bath, is the bathroom a good indication? I, I think overall cleanliness, including the bathroom, is a good indication. Now, technically, you have different people respond. The people who are cleaning a bathroom in the kitchen are not the same people who are preparing the food. Right. Which is and they're not the people who are cleaning the kitchen, a right? a good thing. Yeah, I mean, in the kitchen... For the most part, because the people cooking are probably doing the maintenance in the kitchen, like... Plus, yeah, plus the the dishwashers and the porters and whatever will all be doing the cleanup in the kitchen. Maybe sometimes there's some overlap, like the porter-type roles could also be cleaning the bathroom. But still... I think it's a... I think it's a fair... I mean, if the bathroom's disgusting, there's... It's an indication that overall there's not a great deal of concern about cleanliness in the entire establishment. Okay. All right. Bathroom leads us right into the other one. I was hoping someone was going to ask this, and if they didn't, I was just going to go ahead and ask it, but I didn't have to because one of my colleagues at Deadspin asked, how often do employees actually wash their hands after going to the bathroom? This is, this is, these are one of the great mysteries in life. I mean, this, <laughs> you'd, look, you'd have to be in there with them. Here's my attitude on it. Those signs are up for a reason, mm-hmm. right? Okay, here's the thing that people always like groan when I say this, but I love this. You don't make laws about sheep fucking <laughs> unless sheep fucking is a problem in your community. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a very crude way to put it, but it tends to stick with people when I put it that way. You wouldn't be putting the signs up. Telling employees that they have to wash their hands if it wasn't, if it wasn't a problem that employees are not washing their hands after using the bathroom. Yeah. I mean, what's your What's your gut gut instinct? Yeah, of course you have to be in there. I mean, although I guess like in a if it's a bigger bathroom, like you'd see your coworkers. True. If it's communal, share, if it's communal, you see your coworkers, um, and hopefully, sort of like the communal shame factor is mm-hmm. enough that they're they're doing so. But what's like your gut instinct? Do you think people are people who work in restaurants are actually really diligent about it? Do you think that they're really not? Do you think that it's a kind of like fuck you to the man to not wash your hands and be like, yeah, I'm gonna screw that customer? No, I don't. I don't think that's common. I, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if some people are just sort of negligent about it. Okay. From a, you know, I this is one of those things where I, I, I just want to think 
Okay. That I just want to believe that everyone washes their hands really well. I want to believe Not that too. Everyone probably does. Yeah. I mean, you know, you'd have to install a camera and monitor. Yeah, which would be which highly would, illegal. And, and probably highly <laughs> huge, alarming when you see how many people huge, don't. <laughs> yeah, huge invasion of privacy. Uh, so yeah, and also yeah, I don't think I want to know. I don't think I want to know. Yeah, I mean beyond beyond the signs, what more can you do? You know, beyond passing the law that says don't screw your sheep, <laughs> what more can you do? Thank you for adopting that. I really appreciate <laughs> it. Um, listen, this is actually on on that distressing note, uh, a good time for us to take a little break and re- recover ourselves from the the terrifying thought that people are not really washing their hands after using the bathroom. Uh, So in just a minute, Daniel and I will be back and we will take on a few more of these queries from uh, my, my Twitter followers and my colleagues at Deadspin about how gross restaurants actually are. I'm Jolie Kerr. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Harold McGee. HeritageRadioNetwork.org is a nonprofit organization, which means they depend on the support of listeners like you and like me. The best way you can support this program and others like it is to visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org, as I have, and click the donate button to become a member today, as I have. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support. The following program has been brought to you by Root 11 Potato Chips. From the moment Root 11 Potato Chips dropped their first batch of chips back in the early days of 1992, they understood their destiny as a high-quality producer. Instead of succumbing to the frenzy of mass production, they took advantage of their small size and made chipping a personal art form. The payoff was immediate. An incredible potato chip. With a secret recipe and superior ingredients, their mission is to make an outstanding product in a safe and clean environment. In this world of uncertainty that we live in, Root 11 Potato Chips believes comfort food should be just that. Know where your food comes from. For more information, visit rt11.com. Welcome back to Ask a Clean Person, the podcast. I'm Julie Kerr. My guest today is Daniel Gritzer of Serious Eats. Uh, we have been talking about kitchen messes, restaurant kitchen messes, and horror stories. And we've already gotten pretty gross. I think we're going to get grosser. Yeah. We can, I'm going to try. Let's talk about I'm gonna try eating to cockroaches. No. Oh, oh. oh no. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, can't, I can't get on board. I'm a pretty adventurous eater. Um, Some, and I'm not super freaked out by bugs, but the idea of eating a crunchy bug shell... Well, some Too of them much. Are, some not roaches, but like crickets. Yeah, they're good. They're they're, they're good. Yeah, they're straight up good. Dar- I found one in my arugula about a month or two ago. <laughs> it's and organic. I should have saved it and eaten it. <laughs> That's whenever you get a bug in your salad, just say you know it's organic. There we go. There, yeah, there's life here. You know what? I actually I was cool about it. I I just picked it out, threw it in the trash can. It was dead. Picked it out, threw it in the trash can, washed the arugula. There you and go. Made a salad. I. I did not tell my husband. If it's good, Surprise! If it's good enough for the grasshopper, it's good I, enough for you, right? 
I fed you grasshopper arugula <laughs> when I ever did or never let on. Um, actually, you know, that's a thing. That was like, you know, a, a like clamshell arugula thing from mm-hmm. the key food. That was hmm. grocery store, hmm. um, which, you know, like that happens. That's why you wash your arugula, people. Um, but in the CSA, you know, you expect it in the CSA because mm-hmm. it's organic. We have our, our farm is an organic farm, as I think almost all of them are. I think that's like a requirement of... CSAing, you have to be as as hippy dippy as possible, um, which I embrace because I went to school in Cambridge starting at age six, so I've got that like Cambridge liberal Birkenstock wearing thing about me, even though I don't wear Birkenstocks. Um, so anyway, so I like totally embrace all the hippie part of the CSA, and I love it, and I you know even eat the kohlrabi, and. Um, the one thing that, and you know, obviously very diligent about cleaning my CSA vegetables, but like there's, there's always one bundle of something, usually greens, each summer that has a slug. And I mind the slug. I, the, the slug is like the one thing that I'm like, oh. Yeah, because the slug's slimy. It's really gross. But just like you, you wash the, but what, wash I mean, the you, greens. Yeah, I know you wash it, but like you still have to, you always end up touching the slug. Yeah, right. You have to touch it to yeah. get rid of it. You could use you a could use a towel you could use a paper towel. I mean, which I usually do, but I usually find the slug because I'm in there washing the greens, and my hand is like, ah, you know. See that stuff doesn't. Thing. I, it doesn't I was, bother you? No, when I was working on farms. Oh, because you worked on a farm. Yeah, the, I remember in particular the eggplant. Uh, there were these. This was in Italy, and there were these particular bugs that just. And it was an organic farm, so there was we weren't using pesticides to to stay on top of this. And there was this one bug that just was all over the eggplant all the time. And I, I just got to the point where I was just, like, popping them between my... Oh. I would just walk around just, like... <laughs> <laughs> like bubble wrap? Yeah, like, popping them and ripping the beetle heads off. Oh, just, Daniel. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, that's, like, the kind of behavior in children that indicates, like, sociopathy. Yeah, like, <laughs> I've thought about that sometimes. <laughs> that, ex- that, explains a lot of, that explains a lot about your fresh tomato sauce now. It's the work of a sociopath. Uh, all right, let's let's um, let's do some more. That was gross. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. Uh, let's move into another. Gro- this is gross, and it's gross because it's so very specific. Oh, I'm excited. Um, I actually, I'm, I'm going to tell you who asked this question. Okay. It was this morning, Albert Burneko, who is one of my colleagues at Deadspin, who oversees Foodspin. Mm-hmm. Which is wonderful. I love I love food. And I write for Food Spin from time to time, not as much as I would like. Um, I gotta go. I gotta go heckle Albert and be like, "Why the hell am I not writing for for Food Spin now?" Because um, I actually started out before I was doing the cleaning stuff, writing food and drink stuff. I didn't that, know that. Yeah, that was my that was how I started doing that for the all. No, yeah. Kidding. So that was my that was sort of my beginning of all of this. Um, so in any event, so Albert. Um, who spends a lot of time thinking about food because mm-hmm. he writes about it, mm-hmm. among other things, asked, how old is the soup? How old is the soup? Yeah. Like in the Isn't rest- that a good one? In the restaurant. Yeah. Hopefully not so old that it's rotten. Right. <laughs> but like, isn't that, a- I've never thought about that. You probably have thought about that. Those like huge vats of s- soup. A week old? Two weeks old? No. No, actually, it's no. funny. It's it actually. It, it's How many f- people order the soup? Everybody orders the soup. Really? Well, okay, not everybody, but soup is popular, especially in in in. Well, you know, summer maybe it's a cold soup, in winter it's a hot soup, and okay. it's soothing, and it's you know people want like a light appetizer before they 
Oh, okay. All yeah, right. Yeah. I believe you. But it's even... You're the expert. You know, a restaurant always has to try to make just an just enough food that it can sell that food before the food is destined for the garbage. Right. You, you, we all can very easily detect when things are rotten. Most of us can. Um, so you really can't pass spoiled soup off on your customers. I mean, right. you wouldn't want to. You wouldn't get away with it. So the the, the, the concern with like food safety is very rarely one of spoilage because we can detect spoilage so well. Okay. Um, the concern what is... There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Is the concern. <laughs> the concern is uh, uh, th- more like bacterial. Um, oh, okay. And like listeria. Salmonella. Salmonella. Exactly. Yeah. Botulism. The yeah. things that you can't smell... But that will. What's the one? Oh, trichinosis. I'm constantly screaming about trichinosis. That's kind of like a non issue these days. I I know. It's like an old thing. I think I picked it up from The Sopranos, actually. (laughs) Like, that was like a thing that, like, Livia Soprano would screech about was you're going to get trichinosis. And somehow, somehow, like, my Italian side just, like, absorbed that. And I I just am constantly on about trichinosis. It's going to get you the trichinosis. You know, you've got to watch out for that. Yeah. Yeah. Pork. We had a lot of pork in my house, oddly. Trichinosis and pork is pretty... I think it's exceedingly rare. Okay. Uh, I'm still probably going to just... Just because it's funny to me. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it's also a little fun to say. It is a good one. Yeah. You know, botulism... Botulism is a good one. Botulism freaks me out. Uh, You know, that's like... Do you do can... Are you a canner? On occasion, okay, not yeah. not religiously, but yeah, okay. and, and that is that's it's anaerobic. If if it's a low oxygen condition, like a vacuum sealed thing, and there's something that was done wrong in the processing, or you know, yeah, then uh, then you could there, there's some risk, and botulism can like kill you. So yeah, yeah, no, I know <laughs> that one's no joke. So that yeah. that's where the foods and and you can't smell, but you, if you open a, a product that's tainted with botulism, you can't smell. You wouldn't that. know. Yeah, there's no you way of knowing. Know. You just die. You'll just die. Like yeah. if they haven't handled it correctly, it's going to really mess you up, and you'll never know. So that's how old is the soup is less of an issue because okay. it's like, or, and also yeah. like even if it's old it's soup, you're going to boil it. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna boil it. I mean, and, you know, if it's if it's for some reason if it's uh, really old, but then they would keep it frozen. Like you'd have to do basic things to mean to 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 stave off spoilage, right? Um, but you're, you'll you're gonna know if somebody serves you rotten soup. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna be on the lookout for rotten soup. Uh, okay, another another similar one. <clears throat> uh, someone asked, "What's the day you never order fish again?" <laughs> So this They're one, like I forget. Yeah, and actually, it was funny because this morning true. I was I was saying I was like, God, you know. That's one I I always forget. I was like, I think it's Monday. It's yeah. I'll try. I think I think Anthony Bourdain. He this comes yeah. from Kitchen Confidential, yes, it does. and I'm pretty sure he did say Monday. Uh, yeah, and I think the reasoning for it was that most deliveries happen on Monday afternoon or Tuesday morning, and that means that on Monday, if you're ordering the fish, you're eating the fish that's been there through the whole weekend. Yeah, and it's there's. But I feel like, like that's like too too broad a statement to me. Who knows what when restaurants are getting their delivery? Not every restaurant is on the same right, and you can schedule ha- right. They can't be. It's. I mean, it is true that very few to no deliveries happen on a Sunday. Well, yeah, 
But in a, I mean, in a place like New York, their delivery is happening even on a Saturday. Right. So if you get if the if the restaurant's buying good fresh fish and holding it correctly, that fish should be fine on Monday. And if it's not, they shouldn't be cooking it and serving it to you anyway. Like right. they sh- Yeah, but you know they are. Come on. Sometimes you do. Yeah, you get a piece or you know, mussels are a good one uh, that yeah. don't hold up very well yeah. as, as they as they sit around. So it, it can happen, but here's the thing. It could just as easily happen on a Friday. But even if you have a delivery coming because what yeah. if the last fish delivery was on Monday? And they, and then ov- you're Friday, they yeah. overordered, and come Friday, they're still trying to sell that fish. Right. So it, it this it's it's it doesn't mean all that much. I okay. wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it. Just smell your fish when it's served to you, and if you and if you think that it's off or that it's say funky, something. just say something. But you, you, it's just as likely, I think, practically to happen on a on a Wednesday as a Monday. Okay. As a, yeah. Okay. So actually. So this is I th- I think this was another boarding thing. The the same person who act, asked about the fish mentioned um so he said Bourdain already noted to never eat brunch. <laughs> um and I actually don't know if I recall what what I assume that that rule is just because like it's all the old stuff and they're slopping old stuff into brunch specials. So and yeah. but which is then related to to my question sort of follow up to the fish thing. Bourdain also said, I think, never order the special. Also not Do you believe true. that or no? It's, it's like there's a grain of truth. It, just in the same way as don't order on the Monday, there's like a rationale that underlies it that can be true sometimes, okay. but it's, it's, it's simply not true as any kind of rule of thumb. And a, a lot of times in a good restaurant, the special really is something special that the restaurant got in and is excited about selling. Like maybe some beautiful base scallops that have come in and there's a limited number. And so they just run it as a special. Um, yeah. Is it possible that sometimes there's something they're trying to get rid of? Yes. But in, I, in a good place, I just feel like no one's trying to pull the wool over your eyes in that way. Okay. Um, and again, it goes back to spoilage is easy to detect. So if they're just trying to sell you the nasty old stuff, like you're, you're going to know. Yeah. Okay. All right, so that's helpful. So just don't worry, guys. Don't listen to Bourdain as a takeaway. Let's, let's yeah, say that. Yeah, there were a lot let's of little like, things that came out of that book that people latched onto that really don't fully hold up. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also, it, it, that book came out a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it's true. It was a different era, yeah. different time. So, you know, there, there we go. Yeah, also, it was before social media. It was before people were, you know, on Yelp and on Twitter and on Instagram taking photos of rotten food. I mean, come on. That's yeah, like, before letter grades yeah. in the New York City. Oh, God, the letter grades. Yeah. <laughs> Cripes. I remember a time where there were no grades and you could smoke in restaurants. It was great. <laughs> Fish was all old. And yeah, no <laughs> good one old was the grit, wiser. Good old gritty New York. <laughs> uh, all right. So here is, uh, I, actually, this one came up, came up a bunch. So we can... Since you have like now ungrossed us about the fish, I want you to yeah yeah I let me gross you out again gross us out. So uh, I'm going to read to like three three iterations on the same question. Mm. Um, uh, friend of mine, friend of mine, good friend of mine asked, and I was like, "Can you clarify this a little bit?" This is a little vague. She couldn't. Uh, she wanted to know what's the grossest thing that's still technically a okay. Another person chimed Ooh. in and said. Same question, but in regards to food or kitchen cleanliness. Oh, because I because I was like, can you clarify that a little bit? And I was like, what do you mean? Like, do you mean like a little bit of poop on the floor is okay, but not a lot of poop? 
And then someone was like, same question, <laughs> but in regards to kitchen cleanliness. And then I got another, I think it's basically the same thing. It was just a little bit more um, specific. Uh, what is the grossest restaurant habit that's just fine? That's what I'd like to know. Like if keeping the oil in the fryer for eight months is fine, etc. Mm, so those kinds yeah. of things. Yeah. It, oil in the fryer for eight months is definitely not fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just for the record. Okay. Um, it would taste really... Yeah, it, get, it, it, it would gets, get rancid one. It gets rancid. And it would start tasting like everything you fried in it. Yeah, at a certain point, after, after several days, it'll start to take on some pretty nasty flavors. And, yeah. and also, it's degrading, uh, so you're starting to get lower and lower smoke points. And yeah, but... Um, Actually, I think my answer to all those questions is kind of that there's two sides of the same coin, which, and for me, it's uh, gloves, latex gloves. So I actually think that in many instances, the wearing of latex gloves is the A-OK thing that's actually often really gross. And, and on the flip side, handling foods with your bare hands, which can seem gross, is in my mind, now the Department of Health wouldn't right. agree with me here, frequently A-OK. Now, it dep- depends entirely on the person's practices. Or if they're washing their hands after the bathroom. Yeah, washing their hands, and even washing their hands in between, you know, frequently in the kitchen, um, religiously washing your hands, basically. Right. What, is, what is gross about gloves? The thing that's potentially gross, and I'm not 100% against wearing gloves. I, there are scenarios when they make sense to wear them. But what ends up happening is that, that people don't do it right. So the Department of Health says if you handle any food that then goes straight to the customer without additional heat being added, um, you need to wear gloves. So that can mean handling a, 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 an uncooked salad, but it can also be handling a steak after it's come out of the oven and before it goes on the plate. Um the problem is that in a lot of places, and so people know in restaurants, like, oh, if the DOH comes in and inspects us and I'm not wearing gloves and they see me touch the salad, it's a violation. What ends up happening is that people will, you can have just the same number of bad habits with gloves on that you can have with gloves off. So I can touch the raw chicken with my gloves on and then I can touch the salad <laughs> exactly. with my gloves on. Like it changes nothing right. in terms of actual behavior. You're still getting chicken. Blech. Blech in the, on the salad. On the salad. Right. Um, if, that, if that person isn't being really diligent and taking the gloves off and putting new gloves on, which is also really wasteful, right? It's a lot of gloves yeah. going through. If you're, if you're going to do the gloves right from a cleanliness standpoint. You should be going through tons, tons of, them. of them in a day. Tons of them. Yeah. And I th- a lot of times you'll see it like the cashier or something in like a, in like a sort of counter service place that the person is handling the money with the gloves on. With the glove on, on, yeah. And then going and doing the food. with. I mean, this is not clean. There's nothing clean about this. The DOH won't find them because the DOH comes in and is like, oh, they're wearing gloves. Check. You know, they're doing the right thing. Whereas, let's take another example, like a sushi chef who really, like, and I think the DOH is, they've had conflict in the past about this, but they've let up on it. Um, They, you know, sushi chefs really don't want to wear gloves when they're handling the fish because it messes with your tactile sense. Right. Uh, if their hands are clean, that's, I, I would much rather them wash their right, hands. Right, a clean hand. A clean hand than a dirty gloved hand. And right. so that's a big, that's one of these ones where like, they make this overarching rule that you kind of understand the rationale for it from a, from a, you know, policy sense. But in practice, it means nothing and it doesn't give me much comfort a lot of the time with the gloves because they're, and plus, you know, think of if you have a glove, a latex glove on and you accidentally touch something that's dirty 
do you even notice? Right. Because you can't feel it. you can't feel it. That your hand is dirty. Yeah. So it's like, in some ways, it dulls your awareness to whether you're, you've got something you need to wash off your hands in the first place. Ugh, now I'm sorry I asked. Yeah, so that's a, that's a, <laughs> that's a big one for me. Uh, any, any others like the, the fryers or like... Because I think, I think what people were curious about was like the sort of like... What would, what would a normal person be like, oh, that's so wrong, but that actually is, is like completely fine or mm. not completely fine but like not actually a, a concern well another is, is is food temperatures okay cook it like how how hot should you cook your chicken right and this is another one where the the health agencies give very extreme rules like cook your chicken to at least 165 degrees fahrenheit right at which point you have like cardboard a piece of carpet if it's white meat yeah, yeah it's disgusting <laughs> yeah. like it's inedible nobody wants that um, and so there can be a misconception of, oh, well, if, if, if it's cooked less than that, it's dangerous. So it's not true. It's more complicated than that. You can have a safe piece of chicken that's cooked to 150, for example, which will be much juicier. The only thing is it needs to be at that temperature a little bit longer than at 165. Okay. Um, the, that makes the, sense. The killing of the microorganisms, which is the objective here, is not just a function of temperature. It's also a function of time. So of time. at 165, it's like... Total instantaneous annihilation of microorganisms, which is why they say an annihilation of the piece of chicken that has now dried out. Exactly. No one at wants one, to eat. At one fifty, it just needs to be at one fifty for three minutes, and then it's as safe as the one hundred sixty-five degree Fahrenheit piece of chicken. Right. So that's one. That's another one where I feel like there's okay. there's a little bit of maybe a misconception a lot about about how that works and what's safe and what's okay versus okay. What you that, hear is safe I feel like okay. I feel like the home cooks are going to be very interested in that little last point. That, yeah, that, yeah, like, you can you yeah. can cook the white meat less. Just make sure it spends a just little cook bit it for a little longer, more time right. at that at the temperature. I mean, three minutes is not that long at no. one fifty. You can do it's like you can do it with your eyes closed. Yeah, um, this make me feel a lot better about my chicken cooking habits. I cook. I also cook a lot of chicken. Chicken and pork are big. Do you temp it? Do you put a thermometer to check it? No. <laughs> Does Listen, it... I I work full time. I'm a full time housewife. I, cook, I put dinner on the table every night. Get out of time. And if there's I a block, little salmonella blogging, on the table. I'm blogging my CSA every week. Like, come on. Come yeah, on. Come What's on. a little salmonella? Yeah. No, actually, I'm, I don't mean to. I, yeah. I, I think a lot of times we get we get too too worried about a lot of this stuff. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, I look. I know, I know I'm cooking the chicken all the way through. Right? Yeah. Cut yeah. it open. It's white. I know it's cooked. Yeah, that's yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's like kind eight, of my rule of thumb. Yeah. Um, all right. So let me see. Let me pull up a, a few more. Oh, here's a good one. Um, how clean is my cutlery, actually? Uh, your, your cutlery? Are you washing it? Meaning like restu- restaurant cutlery. <laughs> did, did I? Did, <laughs> no, not my own. Like, are no, you no, using no. it in place of toilet paper? No, no they, they mean like the restaurant cutlery. Like restaurant, you know, like when you get a, a glass at a restaurant that has oh, a lipstick oh. mark on it and you're oh, like, I see. I see that you washed that, but it's obviously not actually clean. I was thinking literally of kitchen knives, like that, you know, that you cook with. Oh, yeah. No, those are probably pretty dirty. I see. So like as a customer sitting at the table. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's... It, 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 in almost all instances, this that stuff is going through really high temperature dishwashers, yeah. commercial dishwashers. Sometimes, if if the restaurant 
employees are not paying attention. Like sometimes a little bit of food or like lipstick, certain things, even in those high. Yeah, temp- don't come off. I mean, the lipstick come doesn't come off because it's waxy. Right, yeah. and it's disgusting. Like you, you're sitting there and you have the lipstick on your glass. Yeah, and of course. Understandably, you don't want to drink from it. You ask for a new glass. Is it dangerous? I mean, assuming it's been washed, which I think is a pretty safe assumption. Yeah. It, it it's not dangerous. No, like it's it's been basically right. sanitized. Or, yeah. It, yeah, it's like what I say to people about the difference between stained and dirty. Mm-hmm. Like a shirt can have a stain on it, but still be clean because mm-hmm. you could have put it through the wash, and the stain didn't come out. It doesn't mean it's not clean, right? Because the matter came out. Just this, it left a stain, it, right? It, and even I mean, sometimes yeah. even like a little tiny crusted on bit of food somehow doesn't yeah it just won't come out it yeah. won't come off it dries on it's gross you ask for a new fork but yeah like, it's not and generally it's starchy stuff yeah. because starch will just dry up and stick like rice yeah is like a good one and the, those tiny tiny little grains get yeah. in between a tiny bit of fork i see that it, all the time yeah, i see exactly. that i mean i actually i don't even have the benefit it's so sad i don't have the benefit of a dishwasher at home and like you know we we hand wash our dishes we're you know we're, we're good about it mm-hmm uh, I, as you might imagine, I'm a pretty darn tootin' good dishwasher. I believe it. Um, but yeah, well, you know, I'll be like unloading the the drying rack and be like, oh, there's some rice still stuck in that fork. Oh, yeah, just give it another. Just go back at whirl. it. Um, so yeah, all right. Let me see. Let me see if I can do one more. We've got a little bit. of have got like two, two, two more minutes. Let's mm-hmm. see if I have one more that I can knock out of the park for you. Um, going through my list. Oh, this is actually this is a really good one to end on because it's a little positive. Okay. Um, what's the easiest thing to fix in regards to sanitary practices, but most often overlooked and, or ignored? You know, the thing the thing that the, most people are going to say is that common advice of clean as you go. But I'll so we'll, I won't do that one because I feel okay. like you always hear that one. I think I mean this is highly personal. Um, you know, aside from like sort of really basic things like don't serve raw chicken or right. you know, stuff that's and, you know, avoid cross contamination, which is something you just have to be. I would say probably, uh, well, a couple things. One is try to develop your your eagle eye, meaning right. you said you have a real eagle eye for for cleanliness. Yeah. Like you can spot which, a hair from like a totally, mile away. Yeah. Which comes from my restaurant days. Like I just. I don't know what it is. There's a, your brain learns to see things and identify, you know, right. ob- objects. Have you, this is weird. Have you ever gone to an eye doctor and had a test for keenness done on yourself? Because I bet you have what's called a highly observant eye. I have one too. Can they test this? Yes. A key, there's a keenness test? Yes. I would we will, ace that test. We are going to talk about this after the show. I've had this test done in the course of trying to determine there was a little something going wrong with my vision and they did this test as part of the overall testing they were doing and it turns out that I have this is, it's like the, this is a technical term I have a highly observant eye and when I learned that I was probably in my oh, maybe mid mid to late 20s when I learned it it was like a light bulb went on for me that like so much about me made sense mm. learning this one thing about my physiology because I have always seen and it's part of the reason that I'm the clean person is that I just see things that other people don't, don't see. see yeah right. I see detail I bet you have the same thing uh, yeah totally and it's and I think you can learn it too probably yeah um one I once went mushroom hunting and we were looking for black trumpets and for the first 30 minutes I simply couldn't see them on the forest floor they didn't exist to me I was just like where are they I don't see them walking around walking around and something switched in my brain at a certain point and they like 
my brain was able to suddenly detect the pattern of the mushrooms against the forest floor, and I, they were everywhere. That's so cool. They were everywhere. Like, I just hadn't seen them at first, but I, ha- like, I was looking at them without seeing them. So it's, I think you can learn to see in a different way. That's and so it's, cool. And it's not, yeah, it's not the quality of your vision. It's, yeah. it's sort of the level of attention you're giving. Right. To what you're looking yeah, at. Yeah, it's learning to focus in a new way kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, cleaning definitely has a lot to do with that. And probably a good skill to develop if you are a person who regularly dines out because you can do the thing that you do where you drive by the kitchen and kind of peek in to see the yeah. state of things. You Is the floor take, disgusting? That, like in the kitchen, if the floor if is disgusting. If the floor is disgusting, that's your sign. Yeah, if like, you know, the, to notice the the grain of rice in the fork mm-hmm. time to notice i mean i think everybody notices the lipstick on the glass mm-hmm. um unfortunately we can't go through any more of these because we are oh, out no. of time this was fun oh i'll have to tell Thank you about you. bleeding into food another time uh <laughs> yes come back in season two and we'll talk about bleeding, bleeding into, into the food, food. Yeah, there you go. um and i also i realized i wanted to ask about how often the the staff really does spit into food uh, we'll take that for season two when I definitely am going to have Daniel Gritzer of Serious Eats back on as my guest. Thanks for having uh, me. Thank you for being here. I also want to thank uh, my engineer, Liz Smith, and apologize to her for grossing her out with that roach talk. Hmm. Uh, also, we would like to thank our sponsor, Roots 11 Potato Chips. If you like what you heard today, and maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't, uh, given our topic, please consider subscribing on iTunes, leaving a rating, and telling your pals about this great and kind of gross cleaning show that you love so very, very much. Thank you for listening. I will catch you next week when my guest will be Freddie Hernandez of Jalopnik.com. We'll be talking car messes. Stay tuned for a clip from Chef Marco Kinora sharing some snack hacks on the food food scene right here on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jolie Kerr. This has been Ask a Clean Person, the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. There's so much misinformation out there, and and everybody thinks that eating well needs to be uh, surrounded with deprivation. And it's like, it's not deprivation at all. Like, I'm a, I'm a fucking hedonist. Chef Marco Canora shares some snack hacks on episode 226 of The Food Scene, hosted by Michael Harlan Turkel. I love food. I eat food like crazy. I don't need to be hungry to eat food. It is just like a huge part of my life. And, you know, a lot of people are f- afraid of this idea of eating well because they think that you turn your back on all that stuff. And... No, it doesn't mean you turn your back on loving food. It just means you have to educate yourself and think differently about it. So when you think of popcorn, do you instantly think, oh, that's fiber. That's going to clear me out. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, yes, I think about popcorn and then I say, well, let's make sure I put the right fat on it. And, and let's make sure, you know, I'm getting a good quality popcorn that's not some kind of highly mass-produced GMO popcorn. And then it's great popcorn, and I'll grate some really good pecorino cheese on it and put a boatload of uh, black pepper on it and put a big hunk of really good grass-fed butter on it and some nice sea salt. And, man, it's fucking delicious, decadent popcorn that I could eat a tub of it until I'm sick, and I'm not going to feel so bad about it, right? Because of you now, Kachu Ipepeing something is like a verb in our house. (laughs) Right. We always have that hunk of pecorino. This was an excerpt from episode 226 of The Food Scene, hosted by Michael Harlan Turkel. Did you like it? The Food Scene episodes are available on our website or on iTunes. Dig in for more. 
This piece was brought to you by Bonnie Plants, bonnieplants.com. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.